0: Hear the word of God from the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 22 through 26, located on page 820 in the Pew Bible. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, He asked him, Can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home, saying, Do not even go into the village. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. The Lord be with you. And with you. Would you bow your heads with me as we join together in a prayer? And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was about 40 weeks ago that I preached my first sermon in this church as one of your pastors. And on that occasion, I entitled the sermon, Sawoborna which is the standard greeting in Isi Zulu, one of the African languages spoken in South Africa. Anyone remember what the word means? I see you. Very good. You were listening, eh? Hey? I'm impressed. That's right. Sawabona quite literally means, I see you. It's a beautiful way to say hello. And I guess that 40 weeks ago in that first sermon... It was expressing my hope and desire that in our time together that would be true, that we really would come to see each other, which is one of the core tasks of belonging to a community of faith, to grow our capacity to see beyond the arbitrary labels which our world so commonly uses to pigeonhole people. To see instead the breathtaking beauty, the endless mystery, the boundless possibility in each and every single human being. To recognize that each one of us is made in the image and likeness of an infinite God. To refuse to let things like nationality or race or homelessness, or sexual orientation, or politics, or even theology mark the limits of our sight. I see you. It really is a beautiful way to say hello. But I want to suggest that it's also a beautiful way to say goodbye. Don't we often use the phrase, see ya, when we're saying goodbye, which of course has the common meaning of I'll see you again or I'll see you soon. But maybe there's a deeper truth in that common expression, see ya. Maybe the deeper truth is that when we see people and are seen by them in return, truly, deeply, it's then that we are better able to say a good goodbye, to relinquish one another with trusting confidence to the very God whose image we are able to recognize right before us. And so as I begin the task of saying goodbye this Sunday and the next before I head back to South Africa in about 10 days' time, I've decided today to return to this theme of Sowerborna with which I began. Although the Sowerborna that I say to you today is different from the one that I said back in September. Because over the intervening 40 weeks, life has been shared. And I've come to see Things about this place and about you that really have opened my eyes, that really have opened my eyes in all kinds of ways. Let me share just a few. I've seen a full scale pirate invasion. (laughs) And the somewhat disturbing thing about it is that I loved. Every moment of it. So much so that I seriously considered a change of vocation for a while. Although some would say that that doesn't really represent that much of a change. And then as recently as last night, I witnessed with my own two eyes the fascinating phenomenon of people actually ice skating in Florida in the middle of June. And I tell you, it's wildly popular, thousands gathered to witness the spectacle. That picture was taken, I was with Justin, we did our best to pray, Uh, we're sorry. And while we know that God isn't really that interested in Stanley Cup finals, I do think that it would be in the will of God for there to be a Game 7. Don't you agree? (laughs) Speaking about the Tampa Bay Lightning, I must tell you that a couple of weeks ago, one of the members of our church told me that her her daughter in middle school thinks that I look like Stephen Stamkos. (laughs) which I take as a massive compliment. Although I'm not sure if the basis of comparison was my hair color or my finely honed athletic physique, at least when I'm trying to suck in my gut. (laughs) Talking about South African comparisons, one of the things that I've noticed here that's really quite different from back home are the number of drive-throughs that you've got here. My goodness. You've got fast-food drive-throughs. Of course, we also have those, but then you take it up to a completely different level. I mean, you've got drive-through pharmacies, which if you think about it, and maybe you never have, but you see, I'm seeing these things. If you think about it, it's sheer genius. Because having been to a Wendy's or McDonald's drive-thru, you can then go straight to a Walgreens drive-thru to get the antacid and indigestion medication that you need to deal with the hamburger that you've just eaten. Brilliant! And on the subject of drive throughs my personal favorite would be this one, which is a drive-thru or... A drive-in church. I kid you not. I saw it with my own two eyes in Daytona Beach just a few days ago. Uh, You can drive to church. Although how you would do an altar call at a church like that, I'm not too sure. I have visions of I-275 congestion. Maybe a voice saying, please step out of your vehicle and put your hands in the air. I don't know. (laughs) And there may be just one more of what I've been sort of seeing and noticing. Uh, this one must be seen to be believed. It's Platt Street, right next to our church, which recently acquired its very own dedicated bicycle lane, which sounds like a fantastic idea in theory. If we could find even one crazy cyclist willing to actually try it out, Have you ever seen a single cyclist in that bicycle lane? I mean, it looks to me, it looks to me more like a dodgy tourist attraction. City of Tampa thrill ride. Come and experience the unique car repellent qualities of our solid white lines. Friends, I'm just having a bit of fun. But the serious points that I'm wanting to make is this, in even the ordinary and everyday things around us, there's more to pretty much everything than what first meets the eye. There's more to pretty much everything than what first meets the eye. Our scripture reading today from Mark 8 leads us into a deeper reflection on this truth. It tells the somewhat curious story of the healing of a blind man from Bethsaida, whose eyes were opened not all at once, but in progressive stages. Initially, Jesus puts saliva on the man's eyes and then touches them, and, and his eyes are opened in a manner of speaking but he can see only in a superficial, only in a blurry kind of way. He sees people, but they look like trees walking around. And so Jesus touches him a second time. And this time, the blind man's sight is fully restored. And he can see more deeply, more clearly, more truly. So what's going on here? I mean, have you ever wondered about the story, doesn't it strike you as being a little strange? I mean, was Jesus having a bad day at the office? Was he off his game that this healing miracle didn't quite take the first time and so he needed a second stab at it? Well, to make sense of this strange story, we need to read it within the broader context of Mark's gospel as a whole, Significantly, the story only occurs in Mark's gospel. Right in the very middle, at the very point where the gospel turns in its portrayal of Jesus, in how Jesus is seen. It's like Jesus is seen in a particular way, but it's, it's like a second touch is needed. A, a deeper insight, a deeper clarity is needed to see who he really is. You see, the first eight chapters of Mark are jam-packed with action galore, the sort of material perfect for a swashbuckling Hollywood blockbuster if you were making a movie. The Jesus on display is kind of like an action hero, full of power and miracle-working authority, healing people left, right, and center, the sick, the paralyzed, the blind, Casting out demons, calming stormy seas, walking on water, feeding the multitudes, even bringing the dead back to life. If you were making a movie of it, it really could be a superhero kind of movie. Maybe you'd want to cast Chuck Norris in the leading role. But only if you focused on just the first half of the gospel. Because in the middle of chapter 8, right after our passage for today, the tone changes dramatically. Jesus suddenly starts talking about suffering and rejection and betrayal and dying. And the dramatic crowd pulling miracles pretty much come to an end. As the second half of Mark's gospel offers us a second touch, opening our eyes to Jesus in a whole new way, culminating in the climax, or is it the anticlimax, of Jesus naked and nailed to a cross, crying out his last dying words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mark suggests that if we want to really see and understand Jesus, this is part of the picture that we have to consider. And it turns out that he wasn't a superhero after all, at least not in the conventional Hollywood understanding of the term. And suddenly within the context of the broader gospel as a whole, this curious story at the very middle of the gospel of this healing of a blind man at Bethsaida becomes clear. For this blind man stands as a representative for all who read this gospel, for all who wish to see Christ, for all who wish to see Christ in others. And his story conveys a simple yet profound truth. There's more, there's always more than what first meets the eye. One of the most extraordinary eye-opening experiences I've had here in America was an encounter with a painting by Salvador Dali at the Dali Museum in St. Pete's. I've shared the story before, but I'd like to touch it a second time, to offer you a second glimpse. The painting in question is a portrait of his wife, Gala, looking out through a window onto the Mediterranean Sea. The window through which she is looking is akin to a keyhole, and so her gaze is like a key that unlocks a whole new world of perspective. And if we zoom into the picture a little, we can see that perspective. The particular perspective that Dali gives to her in the painting is the same as that of God. As she sees the head of the crucified Christ upon the cross shining like a sun in the top left-hand corner, but seeing Christ on the cross as God would have seen him. Looking down from heaven above. It's the same perspective that's given to us as the onlookers of the painting. It's like Dali is inviting us to experience what it's like to see things from God's point of view, to experience a divine a moment, if you will. I was completely fascinated. And then the tour guide said the strangest thing. She said that this, if we can just bring the the zoomed up version back again, please. She said this is a picture of Abraham Lincoln. And I thought that she was barking mad. I mean, Abraham Lincoln, you've got to be kidding me. And so I checked the title of... The painting, and sure enough, it's called Gala, Contemplating the Mediterranean Sea, which at 20 meters becomes the portrait of Abraham Lincoln. And so I stepped back from the painting, as the guide suggested we should, further and further and further away, and then suddenly I saw it. The face of Abraham Lincoln, as clear as day, quite astonishing. It was like my eyes had been touched a second time, and I caught what felt like a sacred glimpse of what it is that God sees when he says, "Sawabona" to us. Able to see all of the diversity, all of the complexity, all of the depth, all of the mystery, all of the intricacy of who we are as people. Seeing Gala and Abraham Lincoln at the same time and knowing that all of it belongs. And as God says that word of saubourna to you and to me, know that he sees us in that same deeply nuanced and recognizing way. And as he speaks that word with it comes a call for us to see in a similar way. To refuse to accept the superficial perspective of who others are and to dare to explore the depths of the beauty of their personhood. And that's been my particular privilege and joy as I've served among you over these past 10 months. You see, when I first arrived back in September, I'd heard about many of the things that make this church the remarkable community of faith that it is. And many of these things were clearly evident for me to see Like the rich culture of hospitality and the wide-open embrace that this church offers to all, it's immediately apparent. You can't miss it. There are greeters at every door, connection cards in every bulletin, warm words of welcome at every service, an open invitation to every communion table. The trends over these past 40 weeks, I have come to see the deeper truth of the hospitality of this church. And I must tell you, it's been a beautiful thing to behold. I've heard stories again and again of people who have felt welcome here who are not certain that they would be gay couples Those divorced, single parents, people with doubts or addictions. Just a few weeks ago, a man shared with me his story how two years ago he was in a really bad place. He was living on the streets and the living was hard. But then he heard about our open arms ministry and so he came One Sunday morning, after receiving a meal, he felt a prompting to come into this church for the first time. But as he entered that rear door of the sanctuary, he was suddenly very conscious that his clothes were filthy dirty. His hair was a tussled mess. He knew that he didn't smell very good at all. And so he was about to turn around to leave. When a woman sitting in that very back pew, caught his eye. In telling the story, he says that she was wearing very smart clothes. She simply patted the empty seat next to her, motioning to him to join her. He shook his head, pointing at his clothes and his hair, And the fact that he was smelly, she just patted the empty seat again. And so he joined her. And because of that souborn moment, he came back the next week, and the next week, and the next week after that... For all of these two years, right up until today, he was sitting in the second pew at the 9:30 service this morning. And Rob's testimony is that out of that true soulborner moment, his life has totally changed. What a thing to witness. Or what about the open-mindedness as one of this church's core values? I'd heard about it and had an idea what that looked like. But I've come to see in a deeper way what that really means. For example, when the flags were removed from the sanctuary for the seasons of Advent, Epiphany, and Lent, it generated a certain controversy. But in response to that, two of our members, Jim Lake and Stephen Crawford, valuing the principle of open-mindedness and the value of open-mindedness in this church, have initiated a class called American Gospel in which dialogue and study around these sorts of issues is happening. And at the portico this very afternoon at four o'clock, the first in what may become a series of courageous conversations will take place with today's topic being the American flag in Christian worship. When I see these things, I am moved and amazed. It is beautiful indeed. And I could continue about this church's mission and discipleship and giving and the deeper ways in which we can see what God is doing in and through this church in opening the eyes of many to see and to be seen. And so, friends, I must say that even as I prepare to leave you, it is with great joy and with an overwhelming sense of gratitude, that I believe that I can say to you, Sobona, I see you in a fuller way. And it's a beautiful thing indeed. But even more important than my ability to say that is the truth that God says that same word to you, and He does so with true pride and delight. And in speaking that word, God is surely calling you to continue speaking it with integrity to others. And so my fervent prayer is that this church would continue to be a place where sourborner moments happen with regularity. In which the deeper truth of who we all are as the beloved sons and daughters of the living God may be seen in all of its rich and exquisite beauty. And may it all be to the honor and praise and glory of God. Amen.